Welcome to the official podcast of the Canberra Raiders. Join us as we go behind the limelight. And hello to you too, our valued podcast listener. Thanks for your company. I'm Raider Nick, and this is Behind the Limelight, the official Canberra Raiders podcast. And once again, joined by the gatekeeper between the mass media and the Canberra Raiders Football Club, Mr. Ben Pollock. G'day, Benny. The gatekeeper, I like that. I might have to start using that one. But no, it's great. You know, um, uh, talking about shutting the gate, how good was last uh, weekend's performance? Oh, uh, 18-2, no tries conceded. Uh, the only points coming via a penalty at half time. Uh, fantastic performance again from the guys and I know that Parramatta hadn't won a game um, but they came here with the intention to play they were desperate um, and our boys were able to back up their performance from the week before which was the most pleasing aspect of things look we'll touch on that great win against the Eels from round six very soon we'll also preview round seven the boys are on the road against the Bunnies over there at Central Park Stadium Uh, we'll have a couple of boys in we'll introduce you to the Tongan Internationals Mr. Saliva Havili and Atto Hangana they'll come in we'll say good day for the first time and our forever green wait till you hear this one very special i mean they're all special but there's no one more special than our great legend number nine mr steve boxhead walters Uh, that's worth listening to so sit back and relax i hope you're comfortable i hope everything's well come join us as we go behind the limelight we only know what we got as a group when you're working with the group each day when you're involved in the group each day there's a lot of character in this squad um, and I'm not going overboard, it's early in the season, we've only won two games of football, but um, there is a lot of character in this squad and when you're under a little bit of uh, pressure like that and we, where we were defensively, you can see the, where they wanted to work for each other and that was probably the, the best part for me in regards to the game tonight. It doesn't stop there, we've got to keep working hard and the season gives you a lot of ups and downs, highs and lows. It's, you know, unfortunately I've got a squad of blokes here that turn up every session with high energy every session and they, uh, they work hard and we're getting a little bit of a reward because I, I believe we're better than where we are on the table at the moment but we are where we are so we've got to keep working hard and show, show people that we're a, uh, a good football team. There he is, the coach Ricky Stewart after a good win against Parramatta. Two in a row, Benny. I came to the ground a little worried about how we're going to go in the rain because we haven't been the best functioning unit in the wet, but the way they played through the middle, played a lot of second phase play, a lot of offloads through the middle. The completions were pretty high. Mate, they did the job 18-2 against Para. Yeah, that's right. They held the football. And uh, Ricky said, I think, in the press conference, um, the more that we complete as a team, the more we're going to be in those games. And it was a case of that once again. Um, I thought that um, the way that we worked our way out of our end was really professional this weekend. We didn't have a lot of any, hardly any drop ball coming out of our own end, which didn't put pressure on our defensive unit. And then, as you mentioned, the outside backs were just heavily involved for most of the game. Guys like Joey Lalua, Jordan Rapana, Jack White and Nick Kotrick, you know, getting their hands on the footy. Um, Jared Croker, you know, the back five, they just really combined well to, um, you know, take a bit of pressure off the forwards, which was good to see. I thought defensively it was amazing that uh, they always talk about that cliche, the goal line defence is all about attitude, and the attitude was on to that, that night. They they were hitting hard, and the likes of Luke Bateman, Dynamis Louie once again coming off the bench. Inspirational performance, and you can tell, you know, a happy, proud coach after that performance. Yeah, that's right. And there was little things uh, during the game. I think we highlighted in our play of the week on the on the website this week was uh, Aiden Caesar put a nice little kick in there. Um, looked as though we were going to force a repeat set. However, the Eels. 
Um, Bevan French, I think it was, looked like he was going to get back into the field to play. And the next thing, Luke Bateman just come across and whacked him, put him back into the in goal. That's that's attitude. That's yeah. never give Desire. up. Desire. Desire um, to, to get that footy back. And that's what we've been missing probably in the last early few weeks. But the last two weeks, we've sort of got that back, which is good to see. Speaking of that, uh, talking about repeat sets and goal line dropouts, I think Canberra as a team, we probably lack those repeat sets at times and applying pressure, especially in the big games. It has games. definitely been it's been all It's it, been good. Yeah, it, it has definitely been one area I know they're working really hard on. Um, obviously, if you look at the stat sheet and uh, compare it to other clubs, it was probably uh, we're in the bottom couple of teams when it comes to being able to achieve those sets. But Aiden Caesar's kicking game over the last couple of weeks has just been spot on. Uh, I know he's doing a lot of extras out there on the training paddock, uh, ensuring that that part of his game's up to speed and um, he's getting the results which is good to see. Well, I thought there was about four or five repeat sets that game. They really wore Parramatta down and it, and it doesn't just wear them down physically, it mm. wears them down mentally. And there was they scored two of their tries on, on the back of repeat sets. So that's, that's right. what you need to do if yep. you want to be you know play finals footy. As I mentioned uh, last week, it was great to be able to re-inject three players like Jack White and Blake Austin and Joshua Parley. Yeah. If you can bring those guys back into a team um, after having a week off, it shows how important that depth is in your squad and um, look all three of them were fantastic the other night Blake Austin uh, not only with the footy scoring a try but there was a couple of times there where he um, was one on one um, in defence and he made the tackle and he jammed him, which yeah. was good to see. And you could tell that he was out there to prove a point. Yeah, and say with Papa as well. And I spoke to the Ricky before the game for radio and kind of said, you know, the band's coming back together again today. And there was that sense of sense of comfort knowing that he's got a couple of experienced players that are first graders, that aren't second graders, mm. that were burning inside to prove a point. And, Joshua Parley and said this week um, he, he agreed with Ricky's decision to drop him back for a week and um, he needed to go back and, and find his uh, some form and he did that. He played 80 minutes with Mounties. Both got a try. Before. Both the boys got they, a try. They both come back in uh, and they both perform. So uh, that shows that the hunger and desire in this team is there. And the Austin show and go, mate, was on display there on Saturday night. It was great, that slide at the end. It's good to see. It gets tossed up quite loosely that confidence really injects a lot in a football team. But I think for us, with our young team, and once we get that momentum going, that confidence up in the air, it shows on the field. And the boys start throwing it around. BJ starts doing more. Rappner comes in. You know, I think the more we win, the more we get that momentum and that wheel moving, the better for us. I think that's a consistent point across the game. You look mm. at the West Tigers, the way that they're playing the Dragons, comes a habit. the Warriors. When you're winning uh, and, things are, and things are coming off for you, it seems to be the more that you try, the more that sticks. And we saw the opposite was Parramatta last week. They were trying their guts out to try and win that game of footy, but no matter what they did, and, and Mitch Moses said post-game, they just weren't clicking. And you know, winning breeds winning breeds winning, and that's what we um, that's what we've seen the last couple of weeks. And as I mentioned, we've played a South Sydney team this week that's hit a bit of form as well. So the, both of these teams are, um, are going to be right up for this game, and it's going to be an absolute cracker. We take on the Bunnies, who are two in a row, over there at Central Coast Stadium. And before, Ben, we're looking at um, some records. None from five from there. You haven't won a game there before. It's not a stat that we want to... Maybe we'll keep it quiet going into the game. We won't mention that to the boys. But um, obviously, you know, we've um, played the Northern Eagles there three times in the mid-2000s. I don't think we've played a game there since the Roosters in about 2005. So I'm not reading too much into that stat. Um, It just comes up to uh, this current team and the attitude they've shown in the last couple of weeks and being able to carry that into this one. Mouthwatering clash. And the good thing about the modern day 
Canberra Raiders outfit. But you know, back in the day, we didn't. We never had the. We never used to have the best record on the road. We used to worry about away games. Now, the way the boys bond so well, they take that out on the field. Yeah, they do. I mean, they they enjoy each other's company. That's really important within a squad. You need to be able to have that camaraderie. Um, you know, players need to get on. You need to function as a unit, as a team, and that's what they do. They go away um, for these games and they they spend a bit of time together and. Uh, it shows on the field when they come out and dish up a good performance. So, look, um, we've had uh, two away games this year to, uh, for two losses, so uh, it's important that we come back this weekend and, and make sure that we're performing at a level that we know we can. That guy that we talk about, GI, he's been moving to the centres. He's got more of a basic role this year, and it's great for the game that he's starting to really find some form, but for us, I hope he's had a quiet one. What a, what a battle we're going to see on the weekend. I think he's, uh, he plays left centre, doesn't he? Yeah. He's up against Joey Leilua. Oh. I mean, there's Mount just Watery. two powerhouse centres going head to head there. Um, That's worth the, the admission for a ticket itself. Saliva Havilian, Adahangana, how are you boys? Yeah, not yeah. too bad, thank you. Pretty good. That's good. Now, should we say. Hey, Docs. I looked that up the other day. I didn't know what Docs meant, but Docs means brother in Tongan. Is that right? That's right. Yeah. Exactly right. Because yeah. you got you got Us, who's Samoan. Samoan. Docs is Tongan. Here's my research for the week. Well, there you go, uh, listeners. Uh, you're learning all the time. Uh, speaking of Tonga, you both your boys came out of the World Cup last year. What a great experience that was. Yeah, it was pretty good. Um, myself and Atta uh, representing our nations always a big honour. But um, the way we did it, and you know to uh, and then make the semi-finals was, um, you know, we can ha- uh, hold our head up high for that um, result. But um, that was a great experience for myself, not only myself, but I'm sure Ata too. Ata, you you were a young player, obviously, and you, to play on that stage in a team that performed so well, that must have just been an amazing experience for you. Yeah, definitely. Um, the boys that we had in camp, uh, like we were all the same, we all clicked quite quick and... Um, they they kind of gave me that confidence, uh, no matter uh, what age I am. I uh, just had that leadership role on the team, and that was always me. Levy, you had an extra special role in the team that you got to lead the battle cry, the Sippy Tower, and you actually led it against Junior Paulo in that game at Christchurch. That stadium, I don't think I've ever seen a rugby league game with more atmosphere heading into kickoff than than that game. What was that experience like? Yeah, it was uh, definitely. Um you know, one you know, the, one of the highlights of the, the World Cup, I think, um, you know, two uh, Pacific nations coming together and, you know, to um, square off at the, with, the, um, with the hackers and everything, um, you know, we couldn't have um, done any better. And, and, and it looked planned, but uh, it wasn't. And, um, uh, you know, the boys, myself and Gina, gave it to each other, but still here with the Simon boys here. So, but... You know, um, we always give it to him about the result at the end of the game, so it's all good. <laughs> Obviously, your performance in the World Cup, and you got picked up by the mighty Canberra Raiders. Uh, we'd like to ask all the, the newcomers to the club, how are you finding Canberra? How are you finding the nation's capital, boys? Oh, um, I'm still quite new to it, uh, but I'm, I'm enjoying it here uh, with the boys. All the boys get along um, off the field. Um, I think for me, I'm just still trying to learn to try to get the hang of golf. Uh, a lot of the boys play golf. <laughs> 
um, in New Zealand, we, we don't really play much golf. We've got beaches and, <laughs> and nice cafes and that. We've got a lot of ping pong. Oh, yeah, there's definitely too. a lot of ping pong. Who's, the, who's your golf coach then out of the players? Who's taking you under their wing to help you out? Oh, there's, there's Joe Tarpany. Um, you know, he grabs a broomstick in the gym and you know, tries to give me a few lessons <laughs> here and there. So he, he's one. You arrived here, you know, um, sort of not, not unexpectedly, but obviously with some injuries and some changes to the squad, you came in. Um, within the first uh, three games you then got thrust into the team uh, in an unfamiliar role playing at hooker off the bench how have you found that as a bit of a transition I suppose um, I, uh, I don't know I just, I, I've been playing I've, I played hooker before and I know one thing when I've come over is um, you know just Lever's just been real helpful with it um, pretty much and Ricky too is just saying you know make your tackles uh, full and passes and uh, for me you know, just being able to tackle good um, just one of my strengths because that's one of the hardest parts of, of playing in the middle is that defence and Aiden Caesar said the same thing a few weeks ago that he something he had to get used to and unfortunately a couple of weeks ago he got your head in a, a pretty nasty position and and got knocked out so is it something that you've had to work on um, with the with the defensive coaches and things like that? Yeah yeah definitely but then um, other than that too I got, I got Polo and Nami and um, Sia, you know, right next to me, and so they they kind of come. Your bodyguards, yeah, you got yeah, bodyguards well, yeah. <laughs> Speaking of talking wrong, mate. Yourself, congratulations! You got the uh, ground man of the match performance. Uh, obviously, you started. Ricky's been quite vocal about slowly pushing the envelope with your minutes throughout the weeks. Last week, I think you played seventy minutes or seventy-two minutes. How are you finding out uh, that responsibility there in the hook and roll leaves? Yeah, um, you know, uh, it's all credit to the boys. I think um, the way we. Uh, handle the games, you know, gives me time to get a spell in there where I can and uh, our game management's getting better every week. Our, when we, you know, when we're getting the ball, we, we got the ball a bit more than we have in the second half, you know, that gives me a breather and that, but, um, you know, the boys make it a lot easier for me. It must help when the completion rates are higher, obviously, you don't have to do as much tackling and it can allow you to free you up to, to play with the footy a little bit more? Yeah, definitely. Um, any team with the ball always... Um, that completes well. We'll always have a lot of energy on that side of attack and that, but also defensively. So we a bit um, dirty on BJ not finishing off that try on that beautiful breakdown <laughs> on himself. Nah, he was giving it to me all day. He thought I was going to go all the way, but he was like, "You're so slow." <laughs> you actually the, the first try scorer for the club this year in the, in the, in the Titans game. That cheeky little snippet out of right. dummy half. Oh, and yeah. got, that would have been great for your confidence. You know, new club, new role. Yeah. To, to get a four pointer early, that would have been great for your mindset. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Um, and, uh, I think that's one of my strengths is my um my power through dummy half and you know if I can really add that to the game and uh to the team uh you know it brings confidence in me and then uh, the boys can probably build confidence around me too so yeah. you guys have had obviously a bit of a interrupted start to the season in terms of halves and hooking positions and a number of different changes and, and variables but um, must have been encouraging for you to, to see both Aiden and Blake play so well last weekend and um, they get another opportunity this week against South so something you guys can keep working on Yeah, um, when we come in with uh, the injury of Hodjo uh, you know, there's always going to be um, room to improve and what we can do as a, um, as a spine to you know lead the team through, through the games and that but um, you know, something Stick's been working on and we've been working on all pre-season. Uh, you know, there's chops and changes with halves and 
uh, hookers from the bench and whatever. But um, you know, we're just slowly building that combination, and you know, hopefully we find the right one. And you know, it's been working for the last two weeks, so hopefully we can build more. So Hodjo's been working pretty closely with you guys as well. Ada, how's it been? How's Hodjo having like an older brother kind of mentality around and teaching you some stuff? Can you can you understand him? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, was accent. Um, I, I think one time I had to pull him up and be like, oh. Do you mind just speaking more clearer? He's pretty cool and um, he's easy to learn off as well. But you've um, had the opportunity to, to play at the Warriors, obviously, and Isaac Luke, Sean Johnson, guys like that. Um, a different culture, different club. What's the change been like coming to Canberra in terms of the playing group and how have you noticed the difference between the two, the two clubs? Tough question there, mate. Mm. It's a bit different. It's obviously a different setup, you know. The Warriors and the Raiders, you know, two different cultures, two different parts of the world. Is it? Have you noticed much of a change in the way that the two clubs go about things? Um, uh, it's it's not so much of a change to me. It's more of me just adapting to you know how how things are run. Um, I know at the Warriors, we we did a lot of. Um, early stuff in the morning which you know go, goes like a whole day you know we go to work from seven to four whereas here it's, I think the only thing that's changed for me is we start at nine finish around three which is kind of like a good thing because you just come in get the job done no hanging around or anything yeah yep. it's like school hours yeah school hours <laughs> it's always good to school. learn and go <laughs> mate uh, getting back to the stuff about the what you do around mate out on Instagram had a few steaks on the barbie there mate uh, <laughs> were they all for you yeah well they, they were all yours weren't they <laughs> my sister and, uh, my sister and, uh, and her kids so nah I just thought oh, I felt like some meat so put some on the barbie and um, nah they're pretty good what, is, what do the Tongans do? Like the, the hungi when the Fijians do the hungi? Oh, do you have an umu. Umu. umu? Yeah. So, a good point that Ben made about the culture. Like, I remember someone t- said to me a few years ago, there's not much Polynesian influence in the Canberra Raiders. We only had Josh Papali here, but now there's quite a few Polyno- Polynesian boys around yeah, the club. Is. Samoans, um, Tongans, New Zealanders, we've got them all. Yeah, they don't get hurt. A few Fijians. Just don't get hurt. <laughs> I mean, we all look at Ruben Wiki, how much of a great guy he was playing. He never used to get hurt, and he was just such a. He was feared by the opposition. He was feared by his fellow, uh, you know, countrymen in the New Zealand Warriors. And I think he's had that bit of intimidation factor for the Raiders. Who did you guys look up to when you're coming through the ranks in terms of, um, you know, players that you've sort of aspired to, to be like, or someone that you watched in the game that you thought um, was someone that you could, you know, look at as a bit of inspiration? Besides your coach, uh. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's you. <laughs> just, just in case he's listening, you know. <laughs> I think as a as a young kid coming from uh, New Zealand, South Auckland, um, I've always idolised Jonah Lomu, like every other kid out there. And you know the way he played the forty, you know he just uh, you know he was competitive, trying to beat people with his physicality and everything. And growing up, I've always wanted to be like you know pretty strong and you know whatever. But um, as I got to watch rugby league, I just looked at there was a, a bit more technical technical stuff for the game. And you know Cameron Smith always. Um, got me as I was a hooker. Um, you know, the way he plays the game and just the smarts that he plays with. Um, you know, I try to take that on board and you know, still am to this day. What about you, Ada? Um, <clears throat> I think I just always looked up to Sean. Yep. Um, when I started the development years, um, he was playing and he was killing it. He was always peaking. And even till now, he's, um, his game's just stepping up even more. So he's always one guy that I had and still look up to. Yep. How much of it? 
obviously we spoke about, we opened up about the whole World Cup thing. Is it always in the back of your mind that you want to keep representing? I mean, there's always a question I ask, like, rapper and the English boys about that. I ain't get to play state of origin. So when it comes, when you can represent your country, it must mean that extra special extra special layer of pride because you get to represent, especially, obviously, the people. Yeah, um, and that's always a big honour to represent your country, especially your, your motherland where your parents are born. Um, and one thing that we always do when we play for Tonga is we go back and look at our our country, at our nation, and uh, the poverty we see there uh, just makes it a bit more inspiring for us to, you know, to wear that uh, red jersey. But um, no, it's, it's always a good camp, like everyone says, the uh, um, Tonga camp, Samoan, Fijian, you know, that everyone can just uh, gel together pretty quickly on day one and you know you usually miss camp by the time you leave it and it feels like a long mm. takes a while, takes takes a while right? to get over it yeah, that's yeah, right well, we saw you know Andrew Fafita Jason Tomalolo turn their allegiances to Tonga for an emerging nation to have that sort of representation Ada what was it like going into camp with you know two of the, the superstars of the NRL um <clears throat> It was actually pretty cool. Um, I, I, I kind of thought that they were going to, you know, that they, they had like a professional, you know, real high standard uh, kind of thing with their preparation and whatnot. But um, when they got into camp, um, they were just talking about, you know, just really enjoying your time. Uh, just enjoy with the boys, um, enjoy your footy, enjoy training. So then when it comes game time, it's just easier just mm-hmm. to um, get along and play well. What's well, they say when you go to camp? Uh, Mark Guy came out and said that when he toured with the likes of Meninga and Daly and Stewart, he saw the human side to these guys. So it was good to see the human side to Fafita, the human side to Tamalolo, because you see him as these big superstars yeah. on the field and the intimidation factor. Does that, what, how does that affect you as well when you come back to your normal life thinking, you know what, those guys are just like me. They get up in the morning and do their thing. It must give you that little buzz and think, wow, it's good to yeah. be in this place, yeah? Well, because I do, I don't even play. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, it's 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 everyone's different, but you know when you when you see the likes of one of the best players in um, in our game, you know be real casual about it and um, just you know taking things for granted the way he the way he does, you know it's just um, no, it just makes it a lot easier for us, you know. He's just and the humility they have, you know, they they carry. It's just um, no, it's just inspiring that they um, for us as we come back to normal club footy and. Um, you know, we can just take the heat, take the pressure off us a bit in that too. Speaking about the humility, and we're talking about um, the Polynesian representation, a lot of the post-game stuff with the prayer, with the what you guys do, um, do you guys get involved in that post-game? Yep, because yep. um, all the little nations and all the polys, uh, we all kind of know that we play some, uh, for something beyond ourselves. Yeah. Um, so we, we know it's all for God and um, all, gl- all glory goes back to him, no matter uh, what the result is. So I know um, all parties think the same, and as well as our parents, so uh, hence why the inspiration is more um, come game time. It's good to see. It just gives that human element to it the does. game. We get caught up in a lot of, you know, the rivalry and the hate that this game, you know, hating the opposition. But at full time, when the siren goes, how you just all come in arms on that. It's, it's great, beautiful to watch. It was almost as beautiful as that Fijian prayer as well. It's great to see. It's such a great injection to the game, I reckon. It is. Just quickly touching on this weekend, guys. Obviously, a uh, big opportunity for you to, to, to move yourselves up the ladder with a win against South, who are playing some really good footy at the moment. Uh, the bad news, I suppose, for you two guys is you've got 
about 350 kilos of Burgess Brothers to contain this weekend. They're, they're obviously a big part of the, the South Go Forward. Semi's back this week, and um, Damien Cook's playing some good footy um, for them at hooker as well. So a big challenge for you both um, and when you take the field this weekend in that hooking role. Yeah, um, every game in the NRI is always a hard game, but, uh, you know, what's the, the way South have been going, uh, you know, they're really building confidence in the way they're playing, and uh, it's a big test for us in the middle, um, you know, <clears throat> Big challenge with the Burgess brothers and not only them but the whole Ford pack. Um, it's going to be a challenge, but you know, one one day we can back up from last week's performances. And you know, uh, the results from last week will really tell mm. from this week. A lot of traffic probably going to come down the middle third of the paddock this weekend, so Adder, it might open up the opportunity for you to, to get some more minutes out there. Is that something that you're hoping to do over the next few weeks? Yeah, uh, definitely, but. Um I'm trusting and I know the lever can still do the job. Mm. Um, you know, he can go 80 minutes if he wants. <laughs> but um, no, he, he's, a well, good, he's a good fellow. He's we, gets on. We've actually seen in the past with the Raiders, and you guys weren't here last year, but Hodjo um, would actually stay on the field a lot of the time and yeah, they would the replace row. one of the forwards and, and have another sort of roving player that could, you know, you know come on and inject himself. Is that something that you'd like to, to be able to do at some point if Liver was, if he's out there and he's, his lungs are still good and uh, an opportunity to come around to tie? Forwards, yeah, we did it in Manly. Yeah, Manly game. They threw. That went well. (laughs) (laughs) No, but no, it's obviously something a bit different where you could find yourself in a different role. Yeah, it was funny because he did it in Manly, and I'd come on the field, and he was like. Do you want to go lock or I'll go hook? And I go, do you want to take a hit up? So he was thinking, he was wondering if he's going to take a hit up because he's not used to coming as a halfback. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Well, boys, all the best of luck. Thanks for coming in and having a chat to us. It's good to know, um, as we said, the human side of players. And uh, we found out a bit more about you two today. And I'm sure that the Raiders fans listening will enjoy hearing what you had to say. So thanks for being part of Behind the Line Light. No, thanks for having us. for a steak, Luz. Fire it up. Thank you. <laughs> On the Limelight Podcast, we present Forever Green. We talk to players from the past that wore the lime green jersey with pride, passion and plenty of courage. Steve Jackson reached out and scored! I didn't think there was any way he was going to make that, but he did! Grant going for the line, Grant scores! Oh, Ricky Stewart, that's rugby league magic! Sipowski will get away from Peter and score the try! Steve. G'day, Nick. Good luck. Steve, I've got to ask the name, the nickname Boxhead. How did that come about? Oh, no big secrets there. Just comes from a square head, Nick. That's uh, nothing too um, exciting there. I tried to change it. I'm, I actually get called Dragonfly now. 1986 box, uh, you get signed by the Raiders. How did that come about? Was it a Tim Sheens thing or probably back then, sorry, was it Don Ferner thing or was it just you, you jumped on that wave of Queenslanders coming to Canberra? Yeah, well, you've got to be... Um, you've got to be lucky. You need luck when you're having a footy career as well. You, you need to be able to play. I know that you have, have some talent, but things you've got to fall your way to and you can be lucky. Like what happened was the um, uh, South in Brisbane 
uh, upset Wynnum, who were the gun team. That's, that's Wallace and, as I said, Wally and Gene Miles and all them. Mm. And Mal played the South, um, and Gary Belter played the South. And um, three of the key players for South were Mal, Gary Belter, and their hooker, a guy called Eddie Muller. And the Raiders chased the three of them uh, to try to get them to come down and play, come down to Canberra. Of course, they got Gary Belter, they got Mal Meninga. But I think Eddie Muller got offered a better deal from the Bulldogs in Sydney, so he went mm. there. And I, someone else referred through my name to Don Ferner. Um, I, was, I was only a young fellow at that stage and said, well, you know, if you can't get Eddie Muller, maybe you give this young fellow a go. So I'm very lucky they did. And, and yeah, it was terrific. Wow. Well, things happen for a reason, as they always say. You, you came into the grades and you handled first grade really well. You, the way they were saying, just watching tapes of you running around in that jersey number 12, the old hooker number, you just seemed really stable there box playing first grade. What was it like? Can you remember running out for the first time? How different was the Sydney competition opposed to the Queensland competition? Was there a difference there in the physicality, in the pace of the game? Because it just seemed like you just picked it up like a duck to water. Oh, no, I wouldn't say thanks for saying that. I wouldn't say that, though. It was like everyone else. Um, there was um, Jay Hoffman was a hooker at the Raiders who'd played there the first four or five years, and he was a very popular player, a really good player, very reliable, dependable, and tough guy, and one of their best players. So, yeah. you know, I was hoping to get a crack in, in the main team at some stage, just to said, because I was only 19 at the time. Um, and in 1986, when we went there, I, I, I got to play a few games, uh, I think three or four, but then I hurt my foot. Uh, I got an head and hurt my ankle or something and missed a month or so, and I didn't get back into the team. Then he got back in there and played really well. Mm. Um, but from 1987, um, from the first game in 87, I, I got into the team and I sort of stayed there for a while there then. Um, I still remember Wayne Bennett actually came down to coach mm. the Raiders in 87, and, and he coached my brother, Kevin and Kerrick, the Queensland under 18, so he knew a little bit about our family as such. Anyway, I was talking to him in the pre-season um, before we played a game, and he came over to me and said, Steve, come over here. And he, because he never said nothing to you, Harley. And he yeah. came over and he said, uh, he said, I've got two hookers at this club. He said, I've got Jay Hoffman, who's tough and reliable, and I can depend on him. Um, he said, then I've got you. He said, you, you can probably do a few few more things than him, but I just don't know if I can depend on you. And then he just stopped there and stared at me. He didn't say nothing else. And he said, you can go now. <laughs> I grabbed <laughs> off I went really annoyed me, obviously. This sort of going out in the freeway wrong, but that's how things were in those days. Is that is Was that the Wayne Bennett thing, though? He'd give you those little antidotes to make you think? Yeah, of course it is. He's, he's always been a master of... Um, I don't think he... I think there's other people who are better than him tactically-wise with football stuff, if you want to get into that. And, yeah. But he's, he's always been very good with his player relationship. Certainly was in those days. It was a long time ago. And, mm. and um, he formed a good relationship with Donnie Ferner. And the two of them worked well together. Um, you know, and it was a good time for the club and it really moved forward from there. They talk about Dean Lance coining the phrase that Canberra now has a soul after it just blew this town up. What was your experience like uh, going through from 87 in that grand final? Oh, like everyone says, it's just a great time. You know, it's the first time things happen. Um, they're in the grand final for the Raiders and that, um, it's a long time ago now, isn't it, when you, when you look at it? Um, but it was just a lot of fun. You have a young fella playing footy and you're playing in the NRL to think you can make it through to the grand final and, and play there. We we got beaten and, and we did manly beat us pretty good. They were the better team, but um, it's just really exciting. I remember coming through the finals and you'd beat, you know, you beat South, I think it was, and beat the Roosters and mm. beat one other team, I can't remember who it was, who were all probably more fancy than us at the time again. We made it through to the final and I think it really set things up for the 
success in future in uh, future years. And it was a really exciting time around the town, as you've touched on there. People really, you know, the Raiders sort of put a bit of a mark and getting a bit of a stamp in the community at that stage. Well, you mentioned uh, the Raiders teams of those late 80s were always none of the more fancied clubs, of course. 88 was a bit of a change. We, we mentioned uh, Wayne Bennett, he moved on. Donnie Ferner moved on. Tim Sheen's come down. Pretty good season for the club in 88. He's mentioned that one of the best teams that he's ever coached was at 88 Raiders side. Unfortunately, you just don't get to there. You don't get there. Bit of, bit of pressure under Sheensy, but touching on that phrase again, more unfancied. Fast forward to 89. Jeezy put on that run towards the end of the year to get their box. Yeah, it was good. We things didn't go our way in '88. I think we finished third and we lost the two semi-finals. We had a good team though. Like um, they're all young. Admittedly, they're, they're a younger part of their career then. But for instance, in our halves in '88, we had my brother Kevin, uh, Ricky Stewart, Ivan Hanjack, and Chris O'Sullivan. Mm. So four blokes to fit into two, two spots. Um, and but we just when you're playing footy, you want to win enough games during the year, and then but you've got to you've got to play well when it counts. And we just Went up to it in the semi-finals, got beaten there. Um, and '89, of course, was a different story. But we had to win all the games at the end, and you know you get lucky and things go your way, and everyone's playing really well. And uh, people will look at the team now. They look at the Raiders team in '89, and they see you know Daly, Clyde, and Meninga, and Stewart, and Belcher, and so on. They think, oh, they had such a really good team. But of course, most of those blokes hadn't really made their mark yeah. in the footy world of that state. They're all young blokes. They went on to become, you know, really obviously leading players in their era. But, um, yeah, it's a great time. Um, I remember they have a grand final breakfast at the NRL, and I think it was that Peter Peters was, yeah. a, was a host, you know, there. And we were there, and they introduced the two teams to come out, and Balmain come out first. And, you know, they said, here they come, the Balmain Tigers, there's Blocko Roach and Bouncing Manny Lights and Big Zero Sheridan and Jimmy Jack, and he went through the whole team practically. Yeah. And then we come out and he said, here come the Raiders. And he said, that's Big Mel Meninga and that's Gary Belcher. And, 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 and here come the Raiders. Here they all are. <laughs> Look, I'm, I'm pretty sure he just know half the players. So, yeah. You know, that's how it was. That just, we had a little chat about that later. That was just more motivation, you know. 89 during the game there, Box. Look, it was, they tout that as the best grand final that ever been played so far. And can you bring your mind back to the game? Of course, it was a, such a physical first half. The Blocker Roaches of the world, the Steve Edmonds of the world, the Paul Syrians of the world, and you in that battle with Benny Elias. Down 12-2 at half time. What was the, what was the headspace like? Uh, they always, some of the boys have always said there were people were getting a little bit negative, a bit down on yourselves at half time, but Mal and Sheenzy was bringing everyone back up. Yeah, I reckon that'd be a fair comment. Um, I can remember so at halftime. My memory would have been that I was disappointed because I knew we'd played really well, and I sort of thought they'd scored the tries. They were against the run of play. If you like, I remember they scored that one from a bounce on a kick, and the other one. But we, I thought we'd been the better team. But when you're thinking, you just it's rattling because you think, how can we lose twelve two? We've been the better team. But they, uh, yeah, and it wasn't. I was. Probably, I was certainly feeling negative about that, um, but I, I think that's that'd be a fair comment again. I mean, obviously, um, Sheenji was saying, you know, you're going really well, just stick at it, and you know, the usual sort of um, stuff. They're all true, but it's, when you're in that position, even though if he's saying the right stuff, it's still got to sink in, and it's not easy to do when you're losing 12-2, and you think you played really well. Yeah, it's a bit of an empty feeling there. What about? Uh, can you remember the time when Chicka scored at the end there to draw the game up? What was going through your mind then? Oh, I can remember it. If you watch the replay, you'll see me right behind him, jumping up and down like a poor, simple pool. After he scored. So, <laughs> just, yeah, so it's just, I can't believe that. He's just scored. He's stuck down the air. And, 
yeah, you know, obviously it was fantastic, you know, and he was such a good player. We had a lot of really high-profile stars of the game in those days, but he was always the favourite with all the supporters of Chica and rightly so. He used to do some magical things. Oh, Chica was a gun, but, oh, you know, that was a great try. What about Steve Jacko Jackson? I think you were again jumping up and down like a Toyota commercial there yeah. behind him. Extra time, it's a grand final, the weight of the grand final in the world. You're in the, comp- you're, you're in the contest and you see this fella just barge 10 metres Plant the ball down, and that, that euphoric feeling. Can you remember what was going through your mind then? What was it like? Off the top of my head, I just say that you think, well, that's it, we can't lose, you know. And because he just, he was getting closer and closer. So obviously, you're following up behind to sort of see if he's going to pass it to you or could be there at dummy half for the next play to see what's going to happen. And he just kept on going, yeah. you know. And he went through, and the next thing he's put over the line, he just thinking, that's it. You know, we were ahead at that stage, and we might have been able to win anyway, but that was the one that wrapped it up. Uh, you know, obviously, then you just it's just sinking in what's happened, you know, more so than anything else, I think. With or without a base on the trophy in the celebrations afterwards. Um, 1990 box, we move straight on. What a year for the Canberra Raiders. Minor premiers in all three grades, grand finals in all three grades. Uh, and also that year for yourself, you get picked to play for Queensland. Yeah, I played one game. Um, uh, Kerry, my brother, had played at 89 and played really well, probably normally the player of the year for Queensland. So because I was older than him, I thought, well, I'll never get the chance to play State of Origin, but he got injured. Mm. And they come and pick me, and I played a game. I did okay without playing really well, but it was certainly a big thrill at the time. And um, from a Raiders point of view, yeah, it was like becoming a bit of a power, a strong club at that stage. I remember well, there was a bit of an upset when we beat Balmain in 89, and we played him in the final of the pre-season comp yeah, uh, in ninety. No, it was a down, yeah, might, yeah, yeah, might have been Goldman somewhere. And I remember they had a pretty strong team too, Belmain, you know, yeah. their class, and we flogged them. It was a real stepping stone for us, I thought. And, you know, there was certainly plenty of belief that we had a really good team there then, and we had a good season that went, went through from there. 91 there, Box, going for the three-peat. But before we talk about that grand final with the Panthers, you get picked to play for Australia that year. That would have been uh, the boyhood dream come to life. Yeah, it was a really good year for me, I reckon. Personally, uh, in 91, I really had a good season. Um, and I got back in the Queensland, um, picked the, the State of Origin. Got another chance at that and played better this time when we won the series for State of Origin. And um, they, had a, they have an award. Uh, it used to be called the Captain's Trophy, which is the Queensland captain picks who he thought was the best player for Queensland in the series because it was Wally Lewis. And mm. you're a young kid growing up in Queensland in the 80s. Everyone loved Wally Lewis. And Wally, he picked me for his award. So oh, wow. it was a really good... It was a really good season for me personally, but obviously we didn't quite get there at the end of the year, unfortunately. But I, I still remember um, watching Ricky getting those needle. He, was, he had a problem with a groin, mm. um, a groin, and Laurie had a problem with a hamstring. You know, into the final there, and they both battled on the best they could because they're both tough buckets, those two. Yeah, but just even seeing Ricky get that needle before the game all the time, just yeah, the way he used to score it in there. So, you know, I still everyone says I, I think if, if we had those two and they're healthy, we would have. It would have been okay, but Pam was too good on the day. Well, talking to Ricky, talking to Laurie, talking to Mal, talking to Bradley, all the boys that were involved in that game, they look at 91 as, as still a positive end. Of course, he's battling all the adversity off the field with the salary cap stuff and all the pressures and obviously all the clubs swooping on the Raiders to start buying some of their stars. You mentioned everyone was busted. Lazo had a crack sternum. Everyone was busted. Penrith were really hungry. And just to lose that game in the last 10 minutes and to fight towards the end, 
still must be like a, a pretty decent taste still left in the mouth from 91. If, you, if you're in footy, what you're trying to do each year is you, you want to put yourself in a position so that you're in the finals each year, you know, and then from there, you're going to have years where things go your way. You don't get, um, you're playing well, you don't get too many injuries, you get a bit of luck with a few decisions and a couple of results, and that's, that's how you win the grand final. But it's just not going to happen every year. You're going to have years where things, you don't have the luck and things happen, but you've got to just put yourself in that position as many times as what you can, then it will come good. That's my theory on it all, to be honest. And, and we did that, and we, as I said, you cussed on that. We've got some injuries and that there, but that happens sometimes. And we battled on as best we could, but we nearly got there. MG mentioned to me last week um, the, pretty much the game plan for the Panthers in 91 was don't let Bradley Clyde run wide and don't let Steve Walters run from dummy half. Without embarrassing your box, what was it like for you knowing that you started getting you know, targeted as uh, such an effective component for the Raiders? And I mean, to, to sit back on your armchair after training or whenever and to think you're playing a football team with Clyde, Meninga and then Mullins and all, all the attacking points they had Steve Walters was known one of the most was known as one of the most dangerous weapons in that Raiders side. The dummy half running. Oh, oh I don't know if I'd be one of the most dangerous weapons. You, you got to roll there, you know. And I was happy. You know, the, I'd like to think that probably the role the hooker changed while we were well with me and Kerrod and Ben Elias. Mm. You know, before that period, the really the main thing was just to do plenty of tackles and win the scrums. But I, I like that more thinking, though, I reckon we change how, what you can do with running the ball and attacking from dummy heart. Not yeah. just me, but the other, other two I mentioned. I think that changed in the sort of, um, it's evolved even further now. You know, they're really, really important mid part of your team these days with Cameron Smith and the like. So, you know, I was a bit, you know, I didn't know that at the time. That's nice if he said that and that was important to stop you. So, but, um, you know, I, I was pleased that you touched on all those names. I was just very proud to play in such a good team, mate. And they're all good fellas, too, you know. What was so fascinating about watching yourself, and especially the Raiders v Broncos games, I still have a footy card at home from 91, and there's a picture of you with your two brothers tackling against you, and it was the ultimate Walters family football card. Playing against your brother, the other number nine, especially when it came to those big matches between Canberra and, and Brisbane, just what was it like running around against your brother, you know, opposing against your brother? It is awkward. Obviously, he's your brother, and you want to see him do well, particularly when you're in the same position. Mm. So obviously you get comparisons there, and I think it worked out okay for us because you know he got to win a few premierships the Broncos, he got to play for Queensland Australia, and, and likewise for me for Australia. So I think it would have been worse if it was all one-sided one mm. way. Um, you know, it's and you'd rather it was really funny uh, at the time because obviously the Broncos in the early nineties, Broncos and Raiders are two probably the most dominant teams, yeah. and you'd always think at some stage they would have played in the grand final, but they didn't for whatever reason. Sometimes Broncos are in it, sometimes Raiders are in it, so. Is it true, I don't want to embarrass you once again, but is it true that you went down in a scrum with Benny Lyers and said, hurry up, Benny, pack down because I've got a test to play next week? <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's true, actually. Because it was, <laughs> it was a funny old story. It was only about 10 minutes to go on the game and you started wanting to punch and fight on about something other. And I just put my hands in there and said, hey, it's all right for you. I've got a test on Sunday. And he started, <laughs> oh, I better punch him in the head too. He started blowing up and whinging and carrying on. So, yeah. <laughs> Oh, I love it, uh, rugby league of the 80s and 90s. Look, we'll fast forward to 94, massive year for the club. Uh, and I asked a lot of the, everyone I speak to that was involved in that 94 grand final, how everyone rallied behind Mal's back to do it for Mal. Was that the case? I think it was a, it was a big moment. Obviously, he'd been a, bit, a very influential figure at the club, and it's going to be his last game. Um, it was a real, you forget how much the team had changed in 94. 
um, from the team that was in the three grand finals earlier because mm. of the salary cup stuff and blokes had to leave. And of course, Gary Belcher had moved on with his knee and a few guys retired. So it's a completely different side. A real, a real, a really good side. But yeah, it was a big occasion. And obviously, with Mal's last game and the Kangaroo Tour to go soon after. So, you know, it was a great day in 94. Oh, it's just almost like the planets aligned for him and, and you guys. You just never looked like you were going to lose that game. I mean, off the kickoff with Big Marty Bella dropping the ball, but is it just, well, you played the perfect game. That was the perfect game of football that a club could play on the, on the, on the most important day of the year. Yeah, I reckon it was a case, like, we had a good season in 93 again, um, but Ricky broke his ankle mm. two weeks before the finals, but we played well. Um, and I reckon it's the same thing as I was saying before, but in 94, things aligned, you know. We had some luck this time and things went our way and we put ourselves in that position again. And in the grand final, yeah, as well, it was a, it was different to the others because at half time you saw, well, unless we do something really crap, we're going to win, you know. And then second half, we got a good start again and, and so on. So, yeah, it was it was terrific. And, um, and, of course, they went straight from straight from there to the kangaroo tour. And I remember, um, I only talk about this because a guy asked me about it early, the end of last year, I'll do a story about the, the, at the end of 94, um, the deciding test overseas on the Kangaroo Tour. And I hadn't even, couldn't even remember, but he, he said seven of the third, six or seven of the starting 13 in the Australian team were from the Raiders. Yeah. And I went through, I thought, oh, that would have been right, wouldn't have been that many. Then he went through them all it was. It was quite, you know, obviously, so that's a good indication you've got a strong team. Because Dave Ferner made his debut as well off the bench that game. Mullins, Meninga, Daly. Daly. Stewart, Clyde, and Fernsey. Ferner, and Walters, seven. So he might have even got a start in the 13, Fernsey, for that third game. Yeah, I remember he was goal. He came on at the end. That was a game he's lost, though, wasn't it? Um, from there on in, of course, yeah, I mean, you went through the whole Super League debacle as well that happened, and then you ended up leaving the club in 1997 to join the Cowboys. What was that like, uh, hanging up your hanging up the Green Machine helmet for the last time? Oh, um, I wish if I had my time again, I wish I would have stayed. It was obviously a different time. The Broncos, Wayne uh, had sacked Kerry, and anyway, Kevin had Kevin was upset about that. And I was talking to Kevin, and he said, he said, well, we should, you know, this is uh, during '96, and he said we should go and play somewhere for a year or two before we retire together. And he said, yeah, I'll do that. You do that. And I said, oh, all right. Well, the only one that let you go to was one of the clubs that were the, they were trying to even up the teams a bit was like in Queensland. Mm. And Christine, was going there. Obviously, he was a really good coach, too. So um, I said to Kevin Rollo, well, you sort out your release with the Broncos, and I'll sort out one with the Raiders, and where we go. And of course, I saw that mind deal to go to the Cowboys, and I ran Kevin up, and he said, oh, I'm not going to be able to get there. Now. Oh, <laughs> but, no. Uh, good luck up there anyway. But, yeah, I could have pulled out of the deal, but uh, I'd already gone that far. So. Um, and it was a ch- change, and everyone's getting a little bit older and, you know, a little bit uh, past there. But, uh, yeah. If I had my time again, I wish I would have stayed, to be honest. Steve Walters, it's time for the Forever Green set of six. Uh, first one, what do you do now for work? Uh, I do some home improvements. My brother's a builder, uh, Brett, so we do little minor improvements for carports, patios, decks, that sort of stuff. Excellent. Uh, number two, favourite memory at the Raiders? Uh, lots of good ones there. It was a great club and a great time in my life, but couldn't go past um, winning the 1989 grand final. If you could give me one word... For each grand final of 89, 90, 94, what would it be? So 89, one word. Excitement. 1990. Satisfaction. 94. Euphoria. What did it mean to wear the green jumper? Oh, it was just a great club. It still is a great club. I, I loved playing for the Raiders and I, I loved living in Canberra. 
know, it's just you know, sort of from 20 to 30, that's the best time in your life. And, you know, it's just, I was just very proud. And, you know, when you look back now, you don't realise it at the time. It's been yeah. part of such a, a good period for the club too. And I still, uh, as all the boys know, I'm a, a very enthusiastic supporter of my green machine. And Your favourite teammate and why? Probably the three of them, obviously with Ricky and Laurie and Brad, you know, because we're all about the same age. Mm. Sort of grew up together. You're just young single fellas coming into the team and, and stuff and a lot of good times and a lot of good games. So those, those three. Funniest moment. Uh, that, 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 that are G-rated. <laughs> yeah, that's the trouble, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> we, used to have, we used to have a shirt each Monday night, which was like the idiot shirt for ever done something stupid during the week or embarrassing. Yeah. Um, and there's obviously lots of stories associated with that, what you did to get it. But I remember one year, Shanti brought it out and he called the, the idiot shirt, had a picture of He called them all the immortals and all the, all the blokes had won multiple shirts. Uh, over the previous five years, and I was one of the immortals. <laughs> <laughs> there was myself, Sam Bacco, uh, Mark Lowry, I think it was. Might have been Grant Ellis, a few guys. So, there, yeah, that would be right up there. Wow. Okay. Very, very proud moment for me. I was one of the immortals. <laughs> Question number six, the last one, Stephen Walters. You did a lot for that green jumper. What advice would you give to the current day Raiders? Oh, no, no big secrets there. Just with that, what Ricky would have been telling me, you just got to stick at it, you've got to work hard, you know, um, um, stick together with your teammates, you know. I think they're doing a lot of good things right there, so I hope it, I hope it works out for them, uh, works out there. You know, I'd love to see the team. It was really exciting two years ago and I just missed out. I went down to watch that one down in Melbourne and they just were really unlucky that night. They played well and could have been in the grand final, you know, so we're not far off it. Just stick at it and believe in yourself, that's all I'd say. Stephen Boxhead Walters, thank you very much for joining us on the Behind the Limelight podcast. It's always a pleasure to talk about the Green Machine, Nick. Everyone have a good day down the nation's capital. Good on you, Nick. Good to see you supporting the club, mate. See you, mate.